Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Welcome to Name Three Songs. I'm Sarah Fagan. I'm Jenna Million. And this is the podcast where we challenge sexism in the music industry and empower fangirls. Because let's be honest, fangirls knew about that band way before you did. And if you stick around long enough, we'll also let you in on some new music the girls are already crazy about. So before we get into it today, first off, we have a new Patreon member to welcome to our community. Alexandra, thank you so much for your support. We're so excited to have you. If anyone else wants to get bonus monthly content from us and our weekly hot takes on the latest music news, including that Ed Sheeran debacle. But if you want to know more about that, you have to go sign up for patreon.com slash name three songs. And before we get into the episode today, we do want to have a little discussion based on our last episode on blackfishing. Yeah, I feel like anytime we do something that's a topic that was on our list of things we'd like to discuss when we first came up with Name Three Songs and that we take our sweet, sweet time getting to, there's always those nerves about putting it out into the world and what discussion is going to come afterwards because we know that all of y'all are very kind to us and very keen for discussion and talking about what's going on more. Like, thank you guys for all being critical thinkers along with us and ready and willing to learn and understand that there might be some trip ups every now and again, but always keen to like educate us in a kind way, even when we don't mess up, but just like didn't dive into one specific thing that we might have like mentioned in passing because it has to do with the conversation we're talking about. Because I feel like that has happened often where we'll literally say one sentence and somebody be like oh that's really interesting let's jump off from there as like what else this thought process can go and I mean even in the past that's like how we've come up with other episode topics and stuff is just people messaging us based off of a tiny little side quest on the bigger conversation of of the podcast episode but yeah we had some really insightful and interesting feedback that we just wanted to like talk about a little bit yeah so first of all we had a dm from one of our listeners named veer who so kindly pointed out that when I was talking about Black American culture, I mentioned that Black American culture has evolved in a very different way than other cultures, partly due to slavery. And I also mentioned colonization, which wasn't 100% accurate because there are other countries such as India that have been colonized by Britain, among other countries. And this is a chance for us to better reflect on just how many different ways different cultures come together and it's not always in a willingful way. I mean like you have immigration where people are willingly wanting to leave their countries, sometimes they're forced out of their countries, and sometimes there's colonization and sometimes there's things like slavery and all of these different ways cultures being affected differently. And so I think my original point in talking about Black American culture is that there are also Black immigrants in America as well and it's a different mixing of culture that we see here as compared to people who are very strongly tied to their roots and another thing too is just in general like 
in America, we don't really have great education systems, especially when it comes to history, <laughs> especially when it comes to America acknowledging its flaws. And so I think when we think from our personal experiences of like white American culture, it's very much this like mesh of sometimes you don't even know what your roots are or you don't have traditions like from your mm -hmm. heritage whereas like you think of other countries like germany or like i was honestly just like naming countries like offhand of you're like oh you think of like these people they have these types of celebrations they have these types of traditions and holidays and you know this is how they live their lives and it's very different from how we live our lives in america unless you're like a first or second generation immigrant and you still have those close ties to your heritage Heritage, whereas like my lineage has been in America for a while. So like I know my grandma's family is from Mexico and like I know I'm part Swedish, part English, but like I don't have any Swedish traditions in my family. My closest ties to anything tradition wise is doing family get togethers with my grandma's side of the family because her grandparents had immigrated from Mexico. Yeah, I mean, I think that that's what is so amazing about this podcast and our listeners is it's like we're all learning and growing together. And so it's like somebody like Veer coming from a different background, him and his his experience and his education. It's like he is learning from us, like essentially the white experience of trying to educate ourselves on the rest of the world. And we're learning from him and other listeners like him, the POC experience of what they're taught and what they know and yeah. and those sorts of things. And I think that that's a really beautiful thing that we can come together and educate each other because it's not like, oh, the white experience of learning these things is an interesting experience, but these are necessary conversations to be had in conjunction with the music industry because the only way to have change is to have these conversations being had out loud. And also, unfortunately, a lot of the times it's like if white women don't call out other white women, they're not going to fucking listen especially when they're just being completely tone deaf to what they're doing. It's like if a black woman told Jesse, and even in this, it's like they think that Leanne said something and Jesse's playing the victim. But if a white woman called her out, she might think about it again for some reason. Like, I don't understand the logic behind that. But you even see black creators on TikTok saying how, like, if white women don't use their voices, then nothing's ever going to be done. So I guess that's kind of kind of what we're trying to do yeah and i think also it's important to listen to those communities and listen to their feelings on things and our goal is to help amplify that by doing our research by reading articles reading what other people have written and other people have said on tiktok just make that a little bit louder yeah no 100 percent. i think that that's definitely the case because you also see like this aggressive and like we've talked about this a lot and i mentioned this a lot like the aggressive online thinking behind a lot of people and like the younger millennials and Gen Z sort of generations of things of just being so aggressively woke that like you somehow took a wrong turn and are almost on Ben Shapiro YouTube. And so it is this overlap where you also see these things like it, there's so many subcultures of things that if you go too far, you wind up just going back to the thing that you weren't trying to be. And it's, it's just really crazy when you think about it like that of just taking something so far that you're essentially attacking your ally because you're trying to prove that you're the wokest of the woke. And and therefore yeah. 
are essentially being a grocery store Karen in the long run. And it's just like an interesting perspective to think about it because it's like in talking about black fishing or like cultural appropriation and like we were having the discussion about how you can appreciate a culture and how we kind of were like in jest talking about how like, oh, like is there a way to like appreciate mm-hmm. a culture? But I think that weirdly that that discussion of like, is there a way to appreciate a culture is something that like woke white people have that discussion. Meanwhile, people of color, at least from what I've seen on TikTok are like, yeah, you can appreciate our culture, but white people seem to be so afraid of offending people to a certain degree that sometimes everything just gets fucked up because people are trying again to like prove how woke they are by trying to not offend anybody and therefore sometimes offending them more because like for an example like when we were discussing this in the episode i was kind of saying like oh like people will eat foods from other cultures and i feel like that's appreciation or do certain things like that And it's like, for example, you're not appropriating a culture if you get invited to, let's say, an Indian wedding and they're like, oh, please dress in formal attire. Like, that's not appropriation. That's you appreciating a culture and your friend being like, I want you to take part in my culture. And so I think like there Mm -hmm. are ways like in personal lives and just outwardly to appreciate cultures without being like, oh, you're appropriating this. It's like people don't want to see you putting on like cosplay of their culture just to like make some money on TikTok or the internet or whatever. Nobody wants to see that. It's embarrassing for everyone. But also if you're trying to celebrate a culture in a way, not necessarily like just wearing their attire for absolutely no reason, but like cooking their food or learning about certain holidays or other things because of your significant other being from that culture or your friend being from that culture or those things. There are clear ways that people from other backgrounds have been like, yeah, this is okay. We love when you do this. Please keep doing it. And so it's like there are 100% are multiple ways to like appreciate a culture by putting capital into it or by taking part in something because your friends want you to take part in it. Etc. But again, with how quote unquote woke people are trying to be on the internet, I think it like people just get everything gets lost in translation. I also think so much of what we talk about and so much of what black fishing is about is about performativeness and aesthetics and visual identity because like human nature mm-hmm. is to judge people based on the visual and like not go beyond that. But then also with that visual aspect of wanting to emulate things that we think are cool and right now black culture Mm. is popular culture is really cool wanting to emulate that without doing any of the work behind it yeah i don't know it's just like in conjunction with ariana grande who we are talking about today and the black fishing allegations against her and why they've never been super huge headline news is I think that it's always been like little tiny indiscretions that white people who are the predominant amount of journalists don't know how to write about because they know that it feels wrong but like they don't know how to explain it because there are so much more glaring examples like Jesse, for example. And so you see fans of these artists coming out and being like, oh, it was lighting. It's just tan, like blah, blah. Like she's not black fishing. And it's like, OK, but there are so many things that when you put them down on paper, if you're making a list of all the indiscretions that a certain artist has made, it's like it all adds up to black fishing just because they're not all happening at once. It's like if she one day showed up really dark tan at the VMAs and then everybody's like, oh, 
black fishing, then I think you could kind of be like, okay, you're just hating the hate. You're putting a label on something mm-hmm. that's not real. But it's like Iggy Azalea is a good example also of this where she had that one video that's like, I am the stripper or whatever it was, where she had a really dark tan in the video. And there were now all these articles about Iggy Azalea blackfishing and her fans are like, oh, if you look at the behind the scenes, she's not as dark as she looks in the video. And it's like, okay, but everybody there still agreed to let this video go out of her looking like a whole ass black woman. But also everything she's done up into that point has also been indiscretions of black fishing to a degree. So it all adds up. And so that's the thing is it's like when it's a celebrity, you're looking at a huge equation before you're going to like call somebody out for unruly behavior. I mean, you guys have been talking in our Instagram comments and obviously DMing us and discussing these things. And we just like love watching you guys converse with each other and getting to converse with y'all about these episode topics. And it's just amazing knowing that you guys are taking away what we're discussing and thinking about it more and wanting to talk about it more. So obviously the discourse does not close. Once the episode week is over, we are always open for more conversations about past episodes or this episode. So come hit us up on Instagram when this episode's over and let's chat more. So Sarah, do you want to give us an intro into what we're actually talking about today? I would love to. Thanks for asking. So today we are talking about Ariana Grande, which felt like a very long time coming because she has come up in multiple episodes that we've done from the like very beginning of this podcast because she is like a very prevalent pop star. But she's kind of been like a question mark for both Jenna and myself, a blurry image of a person, so to speak, where like we know what she looks like, but like we don't like really know anything about her. So it's kind of like we need like filling in because we have these tidbits. We have these big moments in the pop culture zeitgeist that we're aware of like from the periphery but don't know that much else yeah i mean ariana is like somebody that i mean i probably know of her hits but i've never really followed her career closely so for me this was like a big learning opportunity to get to understand her a lot more but i think part of why that is is because she doesn't attract drama the same way that a lot of other pop stars do that we've talked about previously so this was kind of an interesting and different episode to look at where has she faced challenges in her career and how has the media been talking about her because it's not in the same blatant super obvious dramatic villain versus victim origin story that we see with a lot of other pop stars yeah no definitely I think you really hit the nail on the head there when it comes to Ariana because even when people like have had grievances with her it's never been anybody quote unquote important enough for it to make mainstream media headline news there have been like an article here and there or people discussing topics on TikTok or on Twitter but it's like never been anything so salacious that people are like oh what's going on with Ariana there's just been kind of like She's kind of had like a pretty easy ride for a pop star. But that's not to say that she hasn't faced misogyny because she definitely has. It's just like hasn't made headlines in the same way that it has with other pop stars. Yeah, yeah. She definitely has faced her fair share of criticism and patriarchal madness because like what woman who has any success doesn't face like misogyny and just men being shitty. But like as I was saying, Jenna and I didn't know that much about Ariana to the point where we're like, we didn't even really know where to start in regards to this episode because there is so much to her career because she has been like on TV and in the public eye to some level for 
like a decade at least. And so today we are lucky enough to be joined by an Ariana Grande expert. So Jenna, would you like to introduce everybody to our lovely guest today? Today's guest is Gabby Iorio, who is host of Young, Beautiful, Successful podcast dedicated to everything Ariana Grande. She started it in 2018. And you also may know her from TikTok as at Ariana Podcast. So Gabby, thank you so much for joining us today. Thank you for having me. I'm so excited. Thanks, Sarah and Jenna. You are the resident Ariana expert, so there's going to be a lot to unpack today, and we're, we're excited to get your take on everything. So excited. I'm very excited to have you here today, Gabby, to sort of guide us on our Ariana journey, because there are so many layers to her that I feel like most people don't even think about. So do you want to like give a bit of background on Ariana for those who might not be that familiar with her, or just like a refresher for those who might know her but not be really aware of what we should be paying attention to? Yeah, sure. So for starters, Ariana is from Boca Raton, Florida, which is relatively wealthy area in Florida, which I think is important to mention because her family, her mom to this day is a CEO of a company that makes communications equipment for the military. So I just random. Yeah. Yeah. So I bring that up just because Ariana has had a very privileged upbringing so she's never been in this situation that a lot of celebrities are where Mm -hmm. they have to support their family and like how that can cause a lot of problems like obviously in the Britney situation that is being covered right now so she got her start in entertainment though on Broadway which I think Sarah what you're saying her personality I think really comes from that Mm -hmm. theater background and some of the quirks that she has and also the true like technical strengths and abilities she has singing wise like she knows how to sing she was doing it on Broadway when she was 14 in the musical 13 and that's how she got discovered for Nickelodeon for Victorious and everyone knows Victorious was supposed to be the show that made Victoria Justice famous (laughs) and then Ariana ends up being the breakout star as Cat Valentine and which is a really quirky character has a signature laugh and she does sing on the show a little bit it's a musical show it was kind of Nickelodeon's first foray into like music based shows whereas like Disney has always been all about it Mm -hmm. yeah the response to high school musical (laughs) yeah (laughs) so I think Ariana's goal though was always to do something in singing and I think she was just too young at the time to do that right off of Broadway so she did the child star thing and then she releases her debut album at 20 and she's kind of climbed the pop star ranks since then so I guess that's kind of some background do you think that it's relevant that she started her pop career once she was like a legal adult compared to a lot of these other female pop stars that we talk about on the podcast and just like in general who have gotten famous as teens yeah, it's something that I always come back to just because, yeah, all of her peers like Miley, Demi, Britney had their first album at 16, which means you're working on the album when you're like, what, 14, 15? <laughs> so I do feel like a lot of growing up happens personally and also vocally in those years, your late teens. And so I think it's also interesting that all of Ariana's music has come out as an adult and there's still these shock and horror over her sexual lyrics when she's always been a legal adult in her music career. So that's just something I think about a lot that she started her career from a more mature place than factually mature like age-wise. I think the other thing that's really interesting in what you're saying is at least in my mind I think I feel like this is for a lot of general public like Ariana is so I don't even put her in the same category as Miley Demi Selena whereas like Miley Demi Selena are very Disney core yeah (laughs) they're very 
Disney era. We grew up with that. And I think it's probably because they started putting out music when they were still on Disney or when they were still teenagers. So their first records were like the Disney demographic. Whereas Ariana had that little bit of distance. So when she starts putting out records, it's not necessarily the teenage demographic. She's not trying to appeal to like the younger kids and stuff. She is, as you said, she's 20. She's an adult. Putting out music wants to be taken seriously as an adult. And I think now that her career is like projected the way that it has, there is that differentiating factor of now her music is taken very seriously. Yeah. And I feel like that is interesting and a topic we're going to touch on a bit later of people's obsession with commenting on how she looks so young and how her style doesn't match the fact that she does look young and all these sorts of ideas where, again, it's like the topics we come across a thousand times over doing this podcast in general of, oh, we want them to be sexy, but not in that way. Now they're being sexy in the way I want them to, but also like it feels wrong because her face looks young. Like it's just like it's confusing because like I've never really seen that discourse around somebody like Selena Gomez, who I think also has a young forever face syndrome where people weren't like, oh, she looks like a teenager. She shouldn't be sexy. Whereas like there's been a lot of discourse around Ariana about that. So I think to like jump into the main course around Ariana, I feel like obviously a lot of people, if you are aware of her, probably started paying attention when she was involved with Mac Miller and that whole relationship. But we collectively as a group have decided, and I feel like the media also decided this, is that when Ariana starts dating Pete Davidson is when all of a sudden Ariana Grande became an A-list star on the front of the Daily Mail, these sorts of websites like every day because of her relationship with Pete. And it's interesting because Pete is the baby of Saturday Night Live. He's not really a famous man when they start dating. And it's a similar thing with Ariana is it's like there have been all these big moments in her career, but she's never really had that huge successful number one single or anything before for her Pete relationship. And so from your perspective as a fan and somebody who's been talking about her on a podcast for a couple of years, what is your remembrance of this relationship and your thoughts on this being the moment that the world decided that Ariana was somebody to be paying full-blown attention to? Yeah, it's so interesting because she had dated a lot of other famous guys, like you said, Big Sean, Mac Miller. And I feel like she did have that kind of notoriety especially for like rap hip-hop fans like Mm -hmm. they knew that she's dating those guys and she made multiple collaborations with both of them while Mm -hmm. they were dating so you'd think that those they literally are doing features for each other that that was even more intentionally publicized but I think part of the fascination with the Pete and Ariana relationship is they had both gotten out of long-term relationships Pete was dating Cassie David Larry David's daughter and Ariana's dating Mac for like the last two years and then they immediately like broke up with their significant others and started dating each other and I also think New York like the city of New York was a third character in this relationship yes. because <laughs> we're getting into it gossip girl style <laughs> because because they were living in New York. Ariana was there doing press like for her new album and he lives in New York. He's born and raised New Yorker. And that's why there's all those paparazzi photos of them, which mm-hmm. you wouldn't normally get of a celebrity couple that is like hiding out in LA in each other's cars and whatever. 
wearing outrageous outfits like going out shopping in public together and I think that was a big part of it and I also think that all of this is happening in the year after her Manchester the attack on her concert and her kind of coming back and promoting sweetener was a lot about positivity and just returning to this positive mindset after such a horrible thing happened to her that there was something about that relationship that was very like life's too short like I'm just gonna be in love and enjoy my life and I think fans were really happy about that yeah so just just for timeline context here (laughs) they started dating in like May 2018 and didn't they also get engaged like two months later was it 24 days after the initial reports of the two dating Oh my gosh, I didn't even realize it was that quick. (laughs) According to Insider. So we have this as like their dating timeline and then Sweetener comes out in August. So Sweetener is like smack in the middle of their relationship, which ended up breaking off in October. So it was really one of those whirlwind romances, I think. Mm -hmm. And I think everyone was just very in tune to like what was going on. But you're right. It's this culmination of the things leading up to this moment. And as you said, the Manchester attack being one of those, her relationship with Mac Miller being one of those, like getting out of that. And like, I think her kind of figuring out who she is as a person and like you said like falling in love but when we put those pieces together that timeline everything like clicked in my head because I have been very much an outsider to Ariana Grande's career and Sweetener and Pete Davidson was like the first time where she really was front of my mind and that's the first kind of like memories I have of her so I definitely think that that timeline lines up the thing that I do find really interesting about the media's obsession with Pete and Ariana is definitely what you're saying Gabby makes a lot of sense about the fact that they were in New York definitely changed everything because it's so much harder to hide but also I think that the media's interest in her was peaked because of the Manchester attack and the conversation around that and how it might have been a gender terrorism attack and all these hush things that nobody really wanted to acknowledge but also it was like salacious and so I I think because of that, not just the paparazzi, but like the people in charge of these media sites like Page Six and the Daily Mail and those sorts of sites, I feel like they were kind of tracking Ariana in a way because it's like, oh, we can't report on her that much because this is like sad and messed up and we shouldn't. I don't know because like I'm not saying that the media has any, like these sites don't care about that stuff. Like, oh, like we shouldn't bother her right now because obviously as we see with everything, like the media doesn't know what that means. But I feel like in some way they were like waiting for a better story to come up and so I think that because of that there also was this thing where they kind of made it bigger than it was even though they did wind up getting engaged but I feel like also for Pete like this being his first real taste of celebrity numb and his mental health issues and like all these other things I feel like they both were struggling and coming into the spotlight in that very specific time that I feel like they're also they must have felt like there was some pressure on them to some degree for Pete to even ask her to marry him but I mean also there was in I can't remember there was some interview that she did where she said that when they met when she hosted SNL that she like afterwards was like I don't usually get crushes, but I had a crush on him and I didn't even know him. And I told my manager, like, I'd marry him. And I'm like, what? Okay, Ari, calm down. So I just think it's like an interesting 
story when you really think of everything in perspective of things she said in interviews and everything that was going on in their personal lives and like their careers and everything. And so I just feel like there was like a lot... Like piling well, I think up. Also, to your point about the media after the Manchester attack, I think they were probably watching her like a hawk to figure out what her next move was. Yeah. Because, I mean, like, Gabby, correct me if I'm wrong, but I'm assuming she probably stepped away from the spotlight mm-hmm. for a while yeah. to, like, recover from that. So it's like the next time she's in the spotlight, she's dating Pete Davidson all of a sudden. So it's like because of that, because of the tragedy that happens, they're wanting to know, like, what comes next. And I think it was very much just, like, suddenly a whole different direction than anyone expected. Yeah, she released her comeback song, No Tears Left to Cry, at a surprise set at Coachella, or she came out during Kygo's set. Mm -hmm. And that was actually the time at Coachella was the last time she and Mac were spotted together publicly. So that was like April when Coachella used to be. (laughs) And what's also kind of gives some more dark context is that there was a lot of drama with the end of Mac and Ari's relationship because he was known to have substance abuse issues, Mm -hmm. which ultimately kill him but I think there was some happiness for Ariana that she'd kind of gotten out of this toxic relationship with yeah. an addict even though Pete has his own problems <laughs> obviously everyone has their own problems yes. but I think there were some kind of like female empowerment vibes for her that like she had been able to get out of the relationship with Mac which obviously we see differently now that he's passed away but yeah at the time I think people were happy for her well I mean there was that post that she had made when fans were was it after he died that this happened when she made this like notes app post I think it was before actually because yeah she I think soon after they broke up I think he got in a car crash or something or a DUI or, or something like that where some fans were like how could she break up with him when he is dealing with substance abuse and she was basically like it's not my responsibility and it's not like woman's responsibility to take care of men and okay yeah Yeah, that happened may 2018 okay yeah so that would have been right when they had broken up Yeah. yeah okay that makes more sense so basically for those of you who don't know for some context mac miller had gone into a dui very soon after they had broken up and like it also towards the beginning of pete and ariana dating mm-hmm. and ariana essentially posted like a notes app response to this random person's tweet at her being like this is your fault like this is your problem and she's basically is like i have enough self-respect and have enough self-worth to realize that we were in a toxic relationship and like I don't need to be his mother or his babysitter he is his own person and she wrote I've cared for him and tried to support his sobriety and prayed for his balance for years and always will of course but shaming and blaming a woman for a man's inability to keep his shit together is a very major problem and so she kind of just continues to basically be like it's not my job to stay in a relationship with somebody just to maybe keep them a little bit farther away from the edge but like if they're walking on the edge like a tightrope if I'm there holding their hand they're just gonna take me with them is what the message sort of feels like and so while Pete Davidson definitely does have like his own issues I feel like in some ways and like again this is my parasocial relationship with Pete Davidson coming in here like (laughs) (laughs) he seems like a more stable person just based solely on the fact of how much he loves his mother and is from Staten Island. <laughs> so like there's no way and like even Ariana's comments even though she kind of was like oh it was frivolous it was kind of just like me having fun I was like basically saying that like she was Bambi walking into like her relationship with Pete Davidson where oh, she yeah. like has new legs she's never used before and he seems fun and nice and so I think just her self-awareness is really 
beautiful and amazing but also for how much people are gonna shit on pete davidson i feel like him being this weird rebound almost husband like makes a lot of sense because from the outside looking in he's like a very troubled soul with problems but also he's a mama's boy who built his mom a home on staten island so like how (laughs) bad can he be There's something very endearing about him. Still. Like the fact that he commutes from Staten Island to 30 Rock is like my favorite thing in the whole world. But yeah, so I feel like that is just interesting in the context of things of Ariana being like, I was in a toxic relationship. I feel like a lot of people assume that Pete and Ariana was also a toxic relationship, but her responses about it doesn't really seem like it. And I also feel like in some ways they both really helped each other reach that level of their career that they would have reached anyway, but maybe a year or two faster. (laughs) 100%. I think they totally propelled each other. And Pete, it's crazy because on SNL, he used to barely do anything on SNL. He would like come out during weekend update and he was known for like breaking a lot. And now I feel like when I watch SNL, he's like the star of SNL. He's way more involved than Mm -hmm. he used to be. And I remember that first episode he did because they don't, don't they not do SNL like in the summer? I think it came back in that fall that he was dating her and he was clearly the star of that episode because of his his clout from dating Ariana. Interesting. Ooh, celebrity <laughs> PR, y'all. It's for real. <laughs> So after their breakup, Ariana in a Vogue interview is saying, in retrospect, it was a whirlwind relationship and she called it an amazing distraction from her split with Mac Miller. And then she says, it was frivolous and fun and insane and highly unrealistic. And I loved him and I didn't know him. And then she goes on to say, I'm like an infant when it comes to real life and this old soul been around the block a million times artist. But then in response to that, Pete Davidson and his stand-up comedy special, Alive from New York, which was literally in Netflix he's joking about it and says that can you imagine if I did that my career would be over tomorrow if I spray painted myself brown and hopped on the cover of Vogue magazine and just started shitting on my ex so he had a bit of a salty response to that this episode is brought to you by Snapple Welcome to the Snapple Market Auditory Experience. Close your eyes. Imagine you're walking into your neighborhood store. You make your way to the back and reach for your favorite Snapple flavor. You can't wait. You take a sip. Whoa, that's a lot of flavor. Mmm. What flavor are you holding? Now open your eyes and check out Snapple.com to find ridiculously flavorful Snapple near you. Hey, podcast listener. Do you love talking about movies, music, TV, comics, and games? Then you should be listening to The Great Pop Culture Debate, back in bigger than ever for season nine. This season, the panelists discuss the best James Bond film, the best Elton John single, the best Nickelodeon original series, the best Batman villain, and so much more. Find the show wherever you listen to podcasts or head to greatpopculturedebate.com. More than 100 topics are already available. Subscribe today. Yeah, that stand-up is very juicy, the things he says about Ariana. Because I think he says something about how Ariana, his, like, dick size comes up at some (laughs) point. Or I think she has mentioned the whole big dick energy thing Mm -hmm. came from Pete Davidson. So I think he says something in the special. He's like, I could never, like, speak about having sex with my ex, whereas, like, she can talk about that. I guess there are some double standards with women talking about their ex and... (laughs) True. The one thing they have power (laughs) over sometimes... Depending, not with Justin Timberlake and Britney Spears. (laughs) Right. 
But following Pete Davidson, we do have Thank You Next. Yes. Yes. Which we can't thank Pete only, but I feel like that relationship in some ways made Ariana realize, like, maybe I don't need a man for a little bit. Even though, like, again, it doesn't sound like anything really that bad happened. I just mean that I feel like he must be like a really exhausting rebound. (laughs) Oh, also important to note. So as I mentioned, Sweetener came out August 2018. Their relationship ended October 2018. And Thank You Next comes out February 2019. So that was like a real quick turnaround in her putting out this album, which was her first number one on the Billboard Hot 100. Or the single was. The single was, yeah. Yes. And it was Grammy nominated for Album of the Year and Best Pop Vocal Album. Yeah, it was definitely a huge accomplishment for her to get that number one because I think that song just was explosive because she named names famously. (laughs) And it also came out on the night of Saturday Night Live, which added some spice to the release rather than releasing it on Friday. And I think it just widened her fans to people who are older. It wasn't just like her core fans. I think it just really hit a lot more people because of... She's capitalizing on her breakup in a way, on multiple breakups, I guess. And it was also a great song. And it just was just the perfect like timing. The narratives lining up of her breakup and the content of the song putting a different perspective on a breakup being like that she's grateful she goes on zach saying and they're actually talking about the name dropping situation and she was basically saying how she was like very hesitant to do that because she's never done anything like that before and so she ended up making a version that we know now with the names and a version without the names and she showed it to her team and everything and like they talked it over a lot and they all felt like it was a more powerful song with the names but that's not why she did it it was just like a more authentic version to herself and I think again as I've said sweetener Ariana comes into my like peripherals of being a pop star but thank you next was everywhere everywhere and to me that was like the first song that I realized like was everywhere so yeah that was definitely I mean the choice to name drop definitely also propelled her career Definitely. I know Taylor Parks, who's one of the songwriters on the song, said that while they were working on that song, like they didn't know if she was going to get married or not because I think she and Pete, they had like a small breakup, got back together. So I think part of also the songwriting was whether or not she was going to say, I almost got married or that she would get married. So there's like a lot happening in real time. Whoa. <laughs> That is crazy. Like the song, the story of the song unfolding as the relationship yeah. unfolds. Whoa. That's crazy. Just every time I learn something new, I'm like, whoa, what? (laughs) (laughs) It's just really interesting. Her part in the creation of these songs with all this stuff, because again, like another thing we talk about is the expectation that pop stars don't have a lot of say in the songwriting and all of that. Whereas like Ariana talks a lot about the role that she plays in the creation of these songs and stuff and that skill set. And that's something that like she feels is really important to make people aware of her role in all of that. And I know that when we were prepping for this, like you were saying that that felt like something to you that was like seemed really important to Ariana. So like, do you have any thoughts or feelings about her feeling like she needs to prove herself when I feel like her music at this point should be able to speak for itself? Yeah, I've noticed this with a few other pop stars, too. I guess like Taylor or Beyonce, Lady Gaga. I feel like as these pop stars get older, there just starts to be like this switch where they're like, I need to start being taken seriously. And they go like with Lady Gaga 
Gaga or Taylor, it's like doing the documentaries, showing how they are making their music or like showing behind the scenes of their rehearsals and how they're the boss and stuff. (laughs) And I definitely have started to see that with Ariana. After Thank You Next came out, she was on the cover of Billboard because she was the Billboard Woman of the Year in 2018. And that was kind of the first time that she started talking more about how she does things on the computer and in the recording studio where she is producing for herself. And she's talked about how she doesn't like that women in music have to do more marketing and promotion for their music, whereas men can just release something anytime they want, which was also part of like the conversation with Thank You Next because she just released it on a Saturday, which with marketing for a label you're supposed to release on a Friday. And when Positions came out and she did her Zach Sang interview for that, she talked a lot about how she's like, I do everything myself. Like when I do my music videos, I'm in the edit bay like with the director. Also when she did stuck with you her collab with justin bieber she was posting on her instagram story herself like editing the harmonies together and so she's just been really making this effort to show that she's really hands-on and that she has these technical skills with producing and arranging and harmonies and i think maybe it's just with getting older that she and also as her accomplishments continue to pile up just like really wanting to show that she's like a serious artist And also we were talking about her being on The Voice as a coach. That's definitely like a credibility thing. And I think it's interesting what you said is like this moment seems to come a little bit later in artists' Mm -hmm. careers. And I wonder if it's it's this commonality that the the sexism that they deal with, they finally get to a point in their career where they're like, fuck this. Like (laughs) I shouldn't be even dealing with this anymore because I'm just as good as every male musician out here, if not better. And now I have to prove it to you. Yeah. Like, whereas, like, dudes don't have to prove that they're in the studio writing their own songs. Yeah, yeah. definitely. I mean, in that Billboard cover story you mentioned, which was written by Natalie Weiner in 2018, like, Ariana said to her that she's politely walked out of sessions before, and she's like, I'm a small girl. People tend to underestimate that. And then mm-hmm. I sit down and caught my own vocals and can produce my own sessions. And they're like, oh, I didn't know you could do that. And she's like, believe it or not, there are plenty of women that can do this. And again, it's that thing where like Ariana in singing about like her own journey of empowering herself and like becoming more comfortable with herself as like a sexual being as a woman and all these things has not accidentally but like kind of accidentally become like this spokesperson for like yeah it's her villain origin story but also like because she's showing herself as this empowered woman comfortable in her sexuality and her sexual being people do go like above and beyond to like sexualize her in a lot of ways and feel like oh it's fine because she's admitted that she's like a slut sometimes and it's like "Mm, whatever and so in that I feel like like Jenna was saying she's felt this intense need to like prove herself to some degree but also just be like I know how to do this and it's not really even about proving herself it's just can you stop treating me like I'm this tiny child but also like this person that can just be like used for your sexual deviancies in whichever way you feel fit at the moment and so it is just interesting like again listening to her talk especially with Zach saying because they do have such a rapport and like a very clear friendship and how comfortable she is discussing those things with him as well as just her comfort in discussing them in general to interviewers about like women are not expected to do anything in music we're expected that everything's done for us and we're just like pretty faces singing the songs and 
dancing the dances or whatever. And so the fact that she does need to even show people like, oh, look, I can do this to like kind of be taken more seriously when in a lot of ways she should have already gained those stripes. But again, you do see in a lot of female artists who don't have like a lot of say in like the songwriting behind their songs and all that sort of stuff. You do see that sort of journey towards them becoming like producers and being like, oh, like I'm learning X, Y, Z or whatever. And I feel like it is a very common thing that does happen eventually. Like what Jenna said, they get fed up and they're like, okay, let me take this into my own hands now. Yeah. I think with Ariana, one of the differences in the way that she's viewed or sexualized versus compared to other pop stars is number one her stature like she's very tiny but she's also like this very like barbie doll-esque she looks perfect constantly and i think like a combination of that is how people view her as if they can like do with her what they want or like treat her how they want because she is smaller and because she looks younger i think that's definitely one of the things that contributes to like the specific types of sexism that she Mm -hmm. faces yeah, I know I've mentioned to you both that Patty Pop Culture did a TikTok about this specifically that there's been so many moments where Ariana has been like sexually harassed basically on, on like, live TV. Yeah, on live TV. I think the most famous one or the most recent was at Aretha Franklin's funeral that the priest is like basically touching her boob and it's very awkward looking and she's like visibly uncomfortable and there's just been moments at award show I think it was the kids choice awards a kids show where it looks like Chris Chris Rock is like touching her butt and she like makes a weird look and there's just a lot of weird situations where yeah she's really like overtly sexualized by people I mean one of the things that really surprised me as we were going through like the interviews and like how not just how she's been talked about but the way she's been talked to Mm -hmm. is that you linked us to this radio show interview that she did and i don't know what year it was from or like what the show was because it was like a fan like a compilation edit but it was the stupidest stuff these these dudes on the show were literally like if you had to live without your makeup or your phone for a day which would it be and she was like are you serious like you think that's all girls think about and then they're just <laughs> yeah. like could you live your with your phone for out a day and she was like absolutely and they're like but could you but could you they like keep like <laughs> nailing her on it and then she's like starting to call them out on it too and then the dude is like oh like did you see the new emoji update like trying to change the subject and then like what's your favorite and she's like oh i love the unicorn and he was like oh yeah like you would love the unicorn because you're a girl or something like that and she's like boys can love unicorns too and they're like can they though can they though and then she's talking about how we need more education on not being being a misogynist and then yeah. she's like yeah you could really learn from that he's like me what did i do and i'm like this is the most outrageous interview i, I have ever seen in my entire <laughs> life i cannot be- this is my second villain origin story sarah <laughs> i cannot believe they just like sat her there and like grilled her on this being so blatantly misogynistic without yeah. even an ounce of self-awareness yeah i know and i think this is also why celebrities now are so protective over what interviews they do and that's why at this point in her career ariana she's really only doing like jimmy fallon zach saying james corden people that she knows knows will respect her yeah people who are trusted yeah yeah do you know what year that was i think it was during i mean knowing that the uh, unicorn emoji just came out (laughs) i think it would have been during 
the Dangerous Woman era, so like 2015, 2016, around that time. It's again that thing where I feel like because um, it's like what Ariana said, it's like people see her and they're like, oh, look, this tiny girl, what's she going to do? And it seems it's as if they like forget that she's a grown adult woman with experience. And it's just crazy, like the way they speak about her. And I mean, this was like something that you had again mentioned to us when we were prepping for this about how Twitter has talked about like how Ariana used to dress in like quote unquote like Lolita fashion and picked her apart at the beginning of her career for the way in which she dressed as an adult woman but who looked young but I think that there's also that thing where people tend to not want to like contextualize things with the fact that she had just come from a children's show on Nickelodeon and so there is that thing where that fan base is going to follow her and this is something that we talked about in our Disney episode when we were talking about Hollywood records and that sort of success that those artists have and why Hollywood records signees aren't necessarily going to be nominated for Grammys and stuff because they're not pushing their music to normal people they're pushing their music to just Disney channel fans you know whereas with Ariana it's a whole other step in her career moving into music from being cat on Victorious and then on Sam and Cat on Nickelodeon and I feel like people are just choosing to ignore the fact that she was going to have a bunch of fans who are probably a decade younger than her following her into music and so there is going to have to be that kind of slow burn of her moving into actually being acknowledged as an adult and instead of people acknowledging that they're like oh she's wearing thigh highs while also dressing kind of young and this whole thing and so there was this article on this site called Zimbio by this woman called Alicia Dennis in 2013 about the Yours Truly album cover which I couldn't really tell if this actually was the album cover or just how they had like promoted it, but it's like her sitting there and like, oh, I'll read what she wrote because this is hilarious. So she goes, Grande sports a frilly pink teddy and matching thigh-high stockings as she sits atop a smattering of pink roses. Sporting her trademark blank selfie face, Ariana looks a little like a preteen who broke into Malibu Barbie's closet and decided to experiment with her lingerie. And so that was like her description of whatever promote like the promotional photo that they had posted because Billboard also had written something about this image and they also were kind of like, what is with this lingerie look? But I feel like people were just forgetting that she is 20. And even Alicia in this article acknowledges that. And so she's like, Grande is 20. And frankly, she can do whatever she wants. She can't help if she looks underage. But I feel like she's still poking fun at her and kind of bullying her for this quote unquote Lolita aesthetic when it's not her fault that she looks young when it like is it as a fan and like as somebody who would have been paying attention at this time what was like the fans viewpoint on this but also what are your thoughts of can this even count as Lolita aesthetic when she's dressing like a 20 year old that's again not her fault that she looks young I don't know if there is a miscommunication or like what what's going on here yeah, interesting. I don't know if I've seen that bed of roses photo, but I have thought that basically all of her album covers, except the most recent one, Positions, ironically, because I guess that's the most sexy album, but sometimes I would think like, oh, she does seem really sexualized on a lot of her album covers if you just look at them like 
the thank you next one looks like she's like taking off her shirt kind mm-hmm. of the pose in dangerous woman it has like the playboy bunny ears and she's kind of in like a lingerie look on the my everything cover i have conflicting feelings about all of that because i think it is hard to say because i do remember at the time feeling like she was really sexualized because she's she would wear these like super short skirts and she would wear the cat ears which is also kind of like a weird thing because her character is named cat and then i remember in the dangerous woman era when she's promoting her third album she did snl and all the promotion for that was she was wearing a full pantsuit and a lot of her looks going to press and stuff she would wear long pants and like a lot of pantsuit looks and I was like oh it's kind of interesting because she's totally changed like her fashion looks I and mean, i remember thinking that was kind of cool just because <laughs> personally i thought it was cool and that she was kind of taking like a stand yeah i mean pantsuits are very much seen as like a respectable like <laughs> yeah <laughs> hillary clinton specifically wore pantsuits and never a skirt because she wanted to be seen as an equal with the men yeah and so i think i was getting like that vibe from her that she's sort of taking that stance with promoting the dangerous woman album but it is weird now looking back now that I can have in context that she was always in her 20s during her career because I feel like she was made to look younger, but then she was also trying to be sexy and there's just a lot going on. Yeah, that... there's a lot of a lot of layers. To yeah, her. so and it's sometimes it's hard for me to say because it's like I'll look at her when she and I'm like, she does look like she's being sexualized. Like, is this her decision? And like, you don't really know when you're yeah. at the beginning of your career what how much control she had at that time. Yeah, I mean, it's impossible to know unless yeah. they've specifically like chosen to speak about it. Honestly, I think the whole Lolita discourse says a lot more about people who were talking about that than it does about Ariana herself because that's other people projecting that onto her. Yeah. yeah. And there were two other articles, both written in 2014. So at this point, she's 21. And there is the consistent consensus of like, oh, Ariana looks like she was built in a lab. She looks like a young teenager, but also looks like an adult. And who knows what's going on here? And this whole thing where I feel like, again, it's the thinking of things from like the patriarchal view of the world. And like, again, the male gaze of the world. And just the whole thing, again, like of pop stars being expected to be both virgin and sexy at the same time and what does that really mean you know and it's just frustrating because again as we've already mentioned through Ariana's discography you see her journey becoming more empowered in her womanhood and herself as a sexual person and all those things and it kind of feels like people were pushing a more nefarious narrative onto her just because she looked young but also on top of that like there was that time where she was sort of wearing oversized sweatshirts as dresses and big bows in her hair. And I feel like also a lot of people for a while when she was doing like the half pony look, they were like, oh, that feels youthful compared to like the more slicked back ponytail or other hairstyles that she's worn as she's gotten older. And so I feel like there were these things again that were kind of like, not so much her, but like probably her team trying to keep her somewhat child friendly for those fans who came from Nickelodeon, but also wanting the world to acknowledge the fact that she was in fact an adult so it just feels like this really confusing thing where people want Hollywood and the music industry to be like dark and dirty and like as nefarious as it possibly can be when like it definitely is 
But also, sometimes things are just happening because they're trying to deal with a pre-existing fan base. And like, how do you keep people happy while also attracting new listeners, but maybe trying to not attract creepy Lolita fetish people from Reddit? Well, I mean, I don't entirely know because it's like the photo we were talking about with like the bed of roses and like the lingerie look, that's not meant to appeal to her younger demographic. Yeah, yeah. Like, that's not a child appropriate look. And then the sweatshirts came way later in the timeline. And then she had like, like you said, the short skirt and the cat look in between that and even like the pantsuit look in between that. So I don't know that it was necessarily to appeal to younger demographic. Honestly, most of the time, I feel like people just read way too much into everything. But I think as human beings, we don't know how to not read way too much into everything because like everything has meaning. Like we just said, the pantsuits are a way to be taken more seriously. Yeah, I mean, I definitely know what you mean. I just meant that like, I feel like there are consistent tiebacks to things that feel like quote unquote youthful in her fashion or hair or makeup up or something to not alienate the fans that already exist but I don't again like know if I'm just reading into things because of people making things salacious when I'm like it's really not that ridiculous I don't know what's going on here but I feel like there are points throughout Ariana's time in the spotlight and even before she became the A-list star that she is now like in 2018 there's just been so much going on where I feel like people have the preconceived idea of her and her youthfulness or whatever and they just kind of try and get her to maybe admit to things that aren't real or stuff like that and I don't know it's just weird (laughs) I mean, doing all this research, I really didn't know she was so much of an outspoken feminist as she is. That's not something I like associated with her just but also I just really hadn't seen many interviews with her at all. And I mean, kind of to the point of what we're talking about in that Billboard 2018 profile, she says they're unable to accept the fact that women are a million things and not just two. You can be adorable and brilliant. You can be friendly and silly, yet strong and indestructible. You can be professional and present and also sexual and fun. And this is the thing that we come back to constantly in this podcast is human beings have multitudes and it's okay to be more than one thing. Sometimes you can be more than one thing at once and sometimes you can't. Like 100% of you isn't gonna come across in every single scenario. And this is where we have these judgments of, oh, she's being a Lolita because she looks young and she's dressing this way. Or, oh, she's, you know, she's being too sexy here. She's not being sexy enough. Is it's like, you're taking this one singular instance and projecting that onto her entire being as a person. And the other thing that she's said in her Zach saying interviews is that she she came to the realization like when it comes to hate a lot of these people they don't know me they're judging Ariana the person Ariana the pop star but as Sarah said earlier in this episode I think it's hard for someone like her to maybe differentiate and step back between those two because she does care and she does want to give so much to her fans in the Zach saying interview she was saying it's hard for me to accept that literally nobody knows me at all and when people attack her that it's not really about Ariana the person it's like this preconceived idea of her because she's like I probably wouldn't like me if I didn't know me and only read what the world is reading about me that's just like it's just so sad to think about things from that perspective it is really sad and it is interesting also in Zach saying I feel like we see so much of her personality and Mm -hmm. you see that like sense of humor that she has and like her quirks and if you didn't watch a lot of those kind of lighthearted interviews that she does you wouldn't know her kind of theatrical fun theater kid personality yeah and so while there are lots of really 
positive things about Ariana and her relationship with her fans and her outspokenness as a feminist and everything that she's really done because she also has done so much for lots of political activist causes that she believes in all these things. We do have the one glaring elephant in the room which is people referring to the possibility that she is blackfishing and the thing that is interesting is like this feels like a very hot topic but there aren't a ton of articles about it and yet I cannot escape this topic on TikTok like ever like it's always something that will come up whenever anybody gets called out for blackfishing people are always like well Ariana and so it is this interesting thing because there is this one very well written Atlantic article that talks about specifically seven rings and like whether or not that era of Ariana is blackfishing and like what that all means and currently there is the discourse of since she married Dalton that she is being more like professionally white which sounds like a ridiculous term but for most people who have like watched Ariana throughout her career when she was was on Nickelodeon her skin was very pale and then when she became a pop star she was tanning more like becoming darker and then from her wedding photos her skin was more of like that natural tone that we remember from her Nickelodeon days and also her Vogue cover story again she had lighter hair and lighter skin and even on the voice like she's back to like her normal olive like skin tone and so it, it is interesting that for so long she's kind of gone in this direction of dark skin R&B style music which like is what her voice fits with it's what she loves it's never been not organic to her but like she definitely has fit within like a certain style and aesthetic and now that she's moved on to this kind of like more viewing as like an adult section of her life it seems like she's moved away from that at least like on the outside and so again as somebody who has followed her career for so long what is your perspective of this going on and the conversation about it and the fact that this hasn't ever been as big a news as other stars who have done similar things yeah it's so complicated and I feel like I always just end up having more questions but I think it well first of all obviously it goes to her name grande makes it sound like she's latina when she's actually italian and it's a lot of like our presumptions on it and also she said like the actual pronunciation of her name is grandy but it's just americans just assume it's grande because spanish is more popular in america and she also always is saying that she's italian so she's not like pretending to not be italian but I feel like she's gotten away with presenting herself as more exotic, quote unquote. Like she doesn't seem super white, like like a Taylor Swift, who is obviously just white. Or a Lady Gaga, who isn't she also yes, Italian? Yeah. And has never really yeah. been super tan. It's it's that the racially ambiguous category yes. that we, we keep coming back to. Yeah. Which you see with like the Kardashians and, st- and stuff like that. So I think it starts there. There's always been confusion about her background and then in terms of her music I think she's also had kind of a complicated journey because her first album Yours Truly which we talked about was majority produced by Babyface it's a really respected R&B producer an OG basically and I think that that gave her a lot of credibility that that was her first album and she wasn't like jumping on the train of doing hip-hop music later on like Miley and Katy Perry and even Taylor Swift kind of Mm -hmm. did later on in their careers that 
Ariana has, has been influenced by hip hop and R&B since the beginning. And so I think that has given her a lot of, yeah, just like credibility that this is really the music that she wants to make. She's not just hopping on a trend. And so I think that has continued with like working with Pharrell and Sweetener. Like I think she has had a lot of black songwriters and producers that she has given a spotlight to and really given credit that she's worked with them. And that has just given her a little bit of a pass, I guess, that it doesn't seem disingenuine with her music but I think Seven Rings was just an outlier because it's the song that she sounds the most like she's truly rapping and because it had blatant like rap references to Biggie and stuff and people thought she was copying 2 Chains and copying Beyonce or copying Princess Nokia so there's a lot more conversation around that but then it's also complicated because we don't know how much Ariana actually wrote that song or yeah. if it was a mostly black songwriting and producing team writing that song, but then it's complicated that she's the one who's the face Singing to that it. song. It is very complicated. I mean, specifically talking about the Seven Rings song, two of the more specific criticisms was that in the music video, there's like this pink trap house, which may or may not have been a reference to 2 Chain's pink trap house, but it's like, you know, the beat up cars, spray paint, dogs barking, an area that, as you mentioned in the beginning, she came from a life of privilege. So that wouldn't be a set that she comes from, really. And then the second thing is like one of the things about the lyrics is she references that like her hair is fake, which like it is. And she's talked about that. So like that is genuine to her. But the writer, Spencer Cornhobbler, also mentions that certainly a reference that's authentic to her, but also one that draws a shaky connection to former drug dealers having escaped poverty and to women of color showing pride in the face of marginalization with like weaves and whatnot else. So I think overall, it's almost just like one, two, many things to like not be considered blackfishing yeah and two chains ended up going on seven rings remix kind of very quickly after and he did say in an interview that they connected because she said that the music video with the pink house was a direct reference to two chains's album okay pretty girls love trap music and that's kind of why they connected and i feel like but i also feel like it's a little bit like a make good like trying not to get sued that he ended up getting yeah. on a remix then she was a she did a feature for him on his next album so i feel like she also is able to yeah <laughs> he was like no we're good we're cool we're cool yeah. we're, it's all good She's... nobody we're we're good we handled it as, as z-way would say yeah. these are her reparations <laughs> I get the sense that when she has controversy, that she handles it privately, kind of behind the scenes, and then it ends up happening somehow through like business or a collaboration or something, since that happened with Two Chains. I mean, it is one of those topics that is hard to talk about specifically as just like a group of white women, you know, we can see what's happening, but like she's not taking from our community. So it's like if there are black women on the Internet saying that, oh, Ariana's doing this, then it's like, okay, Ariana's probably doing this then. And we should just listen and discuss it because I feel like there are those things where it's like when Ariana has done stuff in regards to like uh helping raise money for Black Lives Matter and being so proactive in the political activism that she is active in and trying 
it feels like this weird moral gray area where it feels like that's why even though the conversation is happening, it's never really stalemated her career or caused much like turmoil for her, even though people are writing the article every now and again about this or discussing it on podcasts or what have you. And so it is just like this constant thing that's kind of like nagging at her, but like she's never a hundred percent ever had to like make any statements or apologize in public. She just does those things where it's like, oh, now 2 Chains is on a song. Wonder why that is. Or these other things. Because there was um, this other article in 2019 for the tab, which I'm going to butcher this name, but I'm going to try by Dioria Shadujanova. And she wrote in this article, which was titled Ariana Grande is a Blackfish, and these are the receipts. So (laughs) very on the nose of what's going on. And basically, the big thing that they were acknowledging was the fact that when Ariana and Nicki Minaj performed at the MTV Awards together, how Ariana looked darker than Nicki, who's a black woman. But they went on to write, quote, this is uncomfortable because artists like Ariana emulate actual black women for clout, but will wash all the fake tan off for a cover in vogue. She's picking and choosing random bits of other people's cultures for financial gain, which is the epitome of white privilege. And so I feel like that seems to be a consensus because there also was this BuzzFeed UK podcast, which I can't remember the name of the podcast, but I'll find it and link it in the show notes where the two hosts were two black women and they were talking about how like Ariana has seemed to, like I stated when we first started talking about this, kind of washed away the fake tan and they're interested to see what is going to happen in her music moving forward because of this. I feel like personally, based off of everything she's done, it doesn't seem like she's going to change her music just because she's changing the fact that she's not wearing as much tan. She could just be becoming more more socially aware of the fact that this, these conversations were happening and like, oh, maybe I should dial that back. She might have surrounded herself with better people, less people just saying, yes, Miss Grande, you know? And so I, I just feel like based off of like everything we've read and listened to her talking about, it seems like there has been so much growth that there is just the potential of her realizing maybe I took it a shade too deep <laughs> like maybe I need to dial it back a little bit but I, I, what are your thoughts on on all of that yeah in terms of the spray tans I think for the VMAs for any award show performance it's always when the spray tan was the most intense and mm. I guess it's because she needs to know she knows she's going to be on TV and under the lights and all of that but I know for the 2018 VMAs which is not when she performed with Nikki but it's when she walked the red carpet with Pete mm-hmm. and she is so orange and he's so white and it's like so blatant that she had like fresh spray tan for her performance that night <laughs> and so I do think that she has gone a little crazy with it in the past and so I can see why there's confusion about her race because her skin tone has been so jarring but there's a lot of controversy about it within the fandom because there's also some theories that Nickelodeon whitened her a little bit because Mm. she has actually a tweet and I think you can still find it where she says that when she was on Victoria's, she had to wear foundation lighter than her real skin tone. So there's some fans who say like, well, we think of her as white in the Victoria's era because she was made to look more white because like Kat Valentine was supposed to be white, which also Ariana's white. So it's like very confusing, <laughs> Yeah, but that she was like made to look more white on Nickelodeon. So then we assume that she's more white than she, her skin tone actually is. And 
There's also in the fan community on Twitter, there are the Mocha Grandes, which is just Ariana fans who are black, call themselves Mocha Grandes. And there's a lot of black fans who support her and like feel that she is not a black fish. And I think that also within the fandom, I just like gives her some credibility that people are like, oh, well, like her black fans are okay with it. So it's fine. But of course, there's like some tendency for like bias because you're a fan of her. So you're more likely to be okay with it. But I feel like it's really going to come down to how she moves in the future, like you were saying, and that maybe she's just been able to not have to answer for it and she's just going to slowly not be as tan anymore and then she won't look as ambiguous anymore. But I think it's interesting that she's just never had to sit for an interview where she's been asked about this and she's never really been publicly called out for it by someone where it really mattered that she was called out for it like she hasn't I don't think she's been called out by another celebrity really except I know Princess Nokia kind of called her out for the hairline and seven rings but also she Princess Nokia is not super like an A-list celebrity so it's just interesting how as you become more famous you're just able to have more control over how you're interviewed and she's just never been asked that question I think also as you said as you become more famous there's a certain level I want to say of privilege of her discrepancies aren't that bad compared to others so it's easier to brush under the rug is what I'm thinking but like this article in the tab that Sarah mentioned like the writer says regardless of her intentions she's profiting from racial ambiguity that she's created which makes her a blackfish like by definition it does make her a blackfish but it's like how has america and how have celebrities have had to answer for this or have they had to answer for it are there other examples of people being like fully canceled for this because it seems like one of these things where it's like there's a lot of outrage around it but somebody like ariana grande like her stature and her celebrity dumb it's like when it comes down to like as we said there's not a lot of articles around this so it's like her tanning and then the seven rings video there's not a whole lot to cancel her about or as you said there's not a whole lot of people being loud enough about it for her to really have had to answer yeah. for it it's one of those things where we're gonna watch how this unfolds yeah but i think she probably won't have to ever answer for it at this point something we also haven't talked about with the seven rings was the japanese tattoo that she got that was spelled mm-hmm. oh. that was spelled wrong and that was everywhere and i remember like an actual tattoo she has yeah it was or is it just like in the video it's on her hand and it was supposed to I, i'm surprised you didn't hear about this because this was everywhere at the time oh but she had she got a tattoo on her hand that was supposed to say seven rings like in honor of it going number one and it was on the palm of her hand and it was spelled wrong so that it actually said japanese barbecue grill instead of <laughs> instead of <laughs> instead of seven rings i feel like we and, all know somebody who that's happened <laughs> Well, that's the thing is that it's like stupid, like white people getting like foreign languages wrong. And yeah. that was had a lot of conversation about like Asian ap- appropriation. And there were tons of articles about how she had this misspelled tattoo. And I remember she, someone tweeted like they would give her like a million dollars to get it removed. And she responded like, I'll give you a million dollars to get off my nuts. Like she made it like a joke. And she responded to a few fans about it where she was like, I love Japan. Like, I've been studying Japanese language and things like that. And I remember that story got really big that she mentioned it a little bit and she got the tattoo corrected eventually but yeah she just hasn't truly had to answer for it still 
in this discussion to me what's more interesting is like projecting this onto like the larger scale of america and like ariana is just an example of somebody who's done this she's not by any means the only person who's done this and there's also a lot of people who've done even worse versions of this and i think the point i was trying to make earlier is just like how is america how are white people going to respond are we going to do anything about it or are we just going to keep appropriating shit because you can get away with it i think that's kind of like the bigger conversation yeah but. and i know that's one thing we talked about earlier it's that until recently ariana was the most followed woman on instagram until kylie's recent pregnancy now kylie jenner's the most followed woman on instagram they both have like over 250 million followers and i feel like that just says so much about how our whole world like views beauty since yeah. a lot of instagram is about beautiful people <laughs> and following yeah. people we think are attractive and the top followed women are ariana kim kardashian kylie jenner and selena gomez who are all a little bit ethnically ambiguous and yeah just that what we find beautiful is somewhere in between i guess and like so the episode previous to this, we t- we discussed like black fishing, specifically focusing on Jesse Nelson and what was going on with her and her solo career. And the interesting thing is, is that it's specifically in focusing on like Ariana having been like the most followed person on Instagram. Selena was like a couple years prior and then like Kylie taking over that title is these are women who read white, but also are like so closely connected to like people of color specifically with ariana and kylie where it's like this thing and it's like the idea of like white supremacy like creeping in of if we can take enough from people of color where white people start to think that this was always theirs that we can just like erase them and people will forget about them and it kind of feels like the kardashian jenner family are kind of holding the reins of that of of like that i don't know if it's accidentally maybe again i'm giving them the benefit of the doubt but it feels like the situation of they're kind of helping create this new idea of what white women are supposed to look like and therefore kind of taking away from women of color and I feel like in some ways Ariana washing that fake tan off and like going on the voice with like her more natural skin tone and this being potentially like her new adult aesthetic or whatever is kind of maybe her distancing herself from that conversation from that because like I don't think that I'm the only person that's had that thought of oh the Jenner family connecting themselves so closely to black culture is essentially just us perpetuating get out in real life and so it's just like there's just like so much to unpack and it's like a whole other conversation but like it is just interesting even you mentioning because I do remember like articles about Ariana's misspelled Japanese tattoo and that being a thing that happens time and time again and it's like who do we hold accountable and like when do we hold them accountable and like when do things really start to matter and it's like oh when they start affecting normal people more is when it really starts to matter because celebrities are going to get canceled all the time for these things and you see it happen and then you see them come back like it was no big deal but it's like when normal everyday people start having things taken away from them or just having repercussions for their actions in black fishing or like appropriating other cultures or whatever that's when we're actually going to start to see change when like normal people <laughs> get affected by it so it's like we can until we're blue in the face have the conversation of oh like has ariana been held accountable enough and it's like okay maybe she could be held more accountable but also like there are normal girls who people think are black who are white on instagram Instagram every 
day. It's just yeah. it's just like a lot to think about. And I guess like to wrap this up and like bring it back to just like Ariana and her career. Now seeing as we already touched on like how Ariana even in 2018 was talking about how she wanted to be taken more seriously in the like production side of things and that side of things. And now her going on The Voice and being a coach and really showing her prowess and her skill set. Where do you see Ariana's career going and what are your thoughts on like these steps that she's making to sort of show just how well-rounded she is in music? It's really interesting. I think definitely as we're talking about really wanting to establish herself as a producer, songwriter, vocal arranger. I know we've started to see her a little bit write songs for other people. She wrote Normani's song Motivation. She co-wrote. She also last summer she co-wrote the Blackpink and Selena Gomez song Ice Cream. And so I think we'll probably see more of that. And then on The Voice that what's been coming up is She's just really kind of positioning herself as like an elder in music. Like she said on one of the first episodes that she's only really been in the business for a decade, but she's fit a lot in in those 10 years, which makes her like just as much of an expert as John Legend and Kelly Clarkson, who are on the show with her. And so I think we'll continue to see that. But what I've been waiting for is I really think the return to Broadway will happen eventually. Hmm. Wait, isn't she doing a movie? Oh, yes. That's another thing. (laughs) So she does have a Netflix movie coming out on Christmas this year called Don't look up and it's a huge all-star cast j-law and leo are the stars of the movie and then her love interest in the movie is kid cuddy so get ready to ship because i feel like they will be a very cute couple (laughs) um there actually are a few photos of them already but i think we will continue to see her expand into these new things and a lot of that recent allure profile was about how she's coming out with a makeup line she's on the voice she's just doing a lot of different things but I was surprised a little bit about the makeup line because I feel like she's such like a true singer I don't really see her going full Rihanna entrepreneur Mm -hmm. but I feel like we'll continue to see her do things in the singing space whether like in the future she'll do like a jazz album or she'll go back on Broadway I feel like we'll always know her as like a power vocalist first and foremost well I think a final takeaway for me and something that I hope to see more of from Ariana in the future is like as I said I was really surprised by how much of like a feminist she is and how much she's spoken uh, like and straight up called out to interviewers faces uh misogyny yeah. and she has been like very outspoken of course about lots of different political activist things as well like on her social media but i hope in the future she just continues that and continues kind of i guess addressing these things like in her conversations or whatever she you know she does throughout her career because of course you know, it's important to carry that energy with us. But like I said, I was surprised to find that out. So I'm sure there's lots of people who don't know that's part of who she is as a person as well. Yeah, definitely. I feel like she's always posting about different issues. So I definitely think she'll continue doing that. So on that note, Gabby, we want to say a big thank you for joining us today. And we're going to have all of like your socials and your podcasts linked in the description below. So if anyone, if any of our listeners want to go check it out, they'll be able to find all those things. Your podcast is called Young, Beautiful, Successful. And thank you. Thank you for joining us on this episode. Thank you, Sarah and Jenna, for having me. It was so much fun. 
that conversation had so many multitudes and i feel like the fact that gabby has had a podcast dedicated to ariana for over three years and loves her as a fan so much and is so able to critique her i feel like that's like everything i've ever (laughs) i ever want when we like try and find people to come on the podcast where i'm like please please be able not say mean things but like acknowledge that people you look up to fuck up and i feel like that was a really great conversation with somebody who's really knowledgeable about an artist and comfortable being like yeah there are mess ups but also ariana has kind of sometimes tried to make excuses but like prior to her ever being very famous yeah i think also the thing with ariana i mean yeah it's definitely great to have someone who is a fan who's been there along the way but also knows when to like recognize their mess ups and call them out on it and be able to think critically about that's you know our favorite thing is thinking critically (laughs) but i think with ariana to me like her career is so different than other people we focused on especially taylor her career is vastly different from taylor's career yeah and vastly different from halsey's career too i mean even though we did get into the sexism she's faced which I said is very different than I think other pop stars face yeah it still doesn't feel like she's gotten the type of vitriol that like Taylor has for example mm-hmm. like the type of hate and like type of sexism she's faced is very different and on a very different level I always wonder with Taylor if it is because Taylor comes off as frigid because she's not sexy in the same way that people yeah. and so I feel like because of that there is that need to like villainize her and there is that need to make her seem like a victim and there is that need to like try and figure out how to sexualize her when she's wearing big sweaters most of the time except for when she's on stage when she's wearing like the pop star uniform I mean, what you just said here was like, it doesn't really feel like Ariana's ever been villainized or victimized. Mm. There are certain times where she could have, but she didn't play into it, right? Like with the Manchester attack, she could have played the victim. Yeah. And she didn't. With Mac Miller's death, she was accused of being a villain and she shut it down. Yeah. I think she's never let anyone, like she's never played into it and let anyone get away with it. She's either been like, kind of like MAA, not acknowledged it or shut it down completely. It's because she's Italian. (laughs) And your mom teaches you to stick up for yourself and be loud about it. And I feel like it's just so funny when there is that conversation of like, oh, Ariana's like ethnically ambiguous. And I'm like, I've never seen more of an Italian person growing up in Florida than an Ariana Grande. And it's just funny because she's just like a very extroverted friendly but like strong and reassured of herself <laughs> Italian woman <laughs> it's just like you're such, she's but such I mean, a she said, type of she said in her interviews too that she gets very emotional and like she's a yeah, cancer yeah. and she's not as like thick skinned as her mom and so I agree I think it's both I think it's that growing up with like that type of household and then also knowing when to step away from social media when to like not project things because she said in one of her interviews like if she's not in a good place she doesn't want to put that energy out to her fans yeah, And so I think that's smart, too, of knowing when to take time for yourself and be away from the spotlight. Yeah, I mean, as we said, like, there are so many multitudes to Ariana, good and bad. And so I think that she very much is just like a very 3D human compared yeah, to some yeah. other pop stars. She's also shown us that. Yeah. Like, there are other pop stars that, like, I mean, Taylor, I still feel like we don't really know the real Taylor. Whereas, like, yeah. Ariana, you start to feel like you know the real Ariana. Yeah. My last thought is as we were talking about, you know, Ariana Grande's future and whatnot, I think if 
she is stepping away from her tanned skin because she's learned, you know, because she's taken the time to learn herself and be like, you know what, maybe that was black fishing and I don't want to be part of that anymore. I just hope that if she's done that learning that she'll do a future interview acknowledging it because that's going to be like a positive step and a positive example for a lot of other celebrities. Yeah, no, I agree with you 100%. I think that it's super necessary for somebody who very clearly as Gabby laid out has like done a lot of learning behind the scenes in order to not have flack in public. I think that if she has done that learning of her adjacency to black culture and the black fishing comments, and if she has done that in private and then in public now is presenting as her true born skin tone, like there definitely should be some sort of conversation about that learning. But I feel like if she did it with somebody like Zach saying that she respects and who respects her, there could be a really interesting learning conversation where she's the one bringing it up rather than somebody like calling her out. And I feel like that would be just really positive for normal people and just like all of Hollywood as well to know that there are opportunities to like kind of call yourself out rather than wait around until somebody does it for you. Yeah. And I think also to the power of celebrity dumb, maybe it would make a lot of her fans and other people realize maybe they're doing something that they didn't think was blackfishing that they're not realizing. It would be like a, a really great learning opportunity for a lot of people. Yeah. And so I think for you guys, our lovely listeners, like what are your guys' thoughts on that? And just Ariana in general, are you a fan? Do you follow her? Is she somebody that you are aware of, but like don't pay attention to? And in regards to what Jenna said, like how do you think that somebody like Ariana who hasn't had the same flack as a lot of the artists that we mentioned last week in our Blackfishing episode, how do you think that she should handle that? How do we start to teach people to stop being fuck ups basically when they're kind of just going with the trend? because that kind of feels like what Ariana has been doing is just going with the trend of like what's expected of people in the role that she's in and because she's never been super held accountable like loudly held accountable I feel like it very easily could be in her mind of her just like following trend and like her just being unaware but she doesn't seem unaware so because of how active she is on social media and active she is in political activism and stuff so it's like there's just a lot to think about and I'd love to hear your guys thoughts so you can come chat with us about all of these things over on Twitter or Instagram. We are at Name3Songs or if you have any personal beef with either of us, come at us. I'm at Sarah underscore Fagan and Jenna is at Jenna underscore Million. So thanks for joining us this week on Name3Songs. Until next time, never let anyone make you feel bad about your favorite band. And remember, you're never too cool to listen to Ariana Grande. Don't forget to subscribe to be notified when each episode comes out and leave us a five-star review they really help if you want to find out more about any of the sources we referenced in this episode you can visit namethroughsongs.com